up what is up welcome to the street gospel podcast i'm your host dave one and this is episode number five we just want to say that we're very appreciative of all the listeners out there uh everybody that viewed on youtube i think the last episode with los we had a thousand views on youtube and i think we're pretty close to about 500 plays on the podcast platforms, which is excellent for us i mean that is outstanding so we just want to thank you guys for checking us out but we got to get down to the business now um i want to introduce this guy so i'm going to play a little bit of music for him i met this guy a few years back through jujitsu we started training i I could probably say i didn't really like training with him at first he was kind of a he was a little he was a little snobby sometimes and uh, once we got to know each other he became a great training partner, very helpful. But I invited him here today because he's a 20-year vet of a police department. And with everything going on, I thought it was very important. He's a father. He's a husband. He likes birds. I, I forgot what it's called, but he likes birds. He likes nice cars. He likes to go out on the river, which I'm always jealous of because he's out on the river in his boat having fun and i always wish i could be out there but i want to give it up today for my buddy police officer alex what's up my brother how you doing thanks for having me hey thanks for coming out man we appreciate you man sure anytime how you doing today not too bad yeah uh you had court today right right what is it what does that consist of when you got to go to court court it's just uh it's a it's a legal battle that drags on forever and ever and ever and ever but uh today the suspect decided to plead guilty so i didn't have to testify which is always a good you know okay. they, they admit their guilt and they know they're wrong and they see the evidence amounting and right. the witnesses and uh, everybody else video uh that was really helpful in uh, this case and he decided you know what i'm not going to fight it guilty i'll take what's you know what's coming sometimes it's just better right which you- is correct Sometimes if you fight it, it just makes it worse. Makes it worse. Right. You know, that normally it would have given you a deal. Say, yeah. Well, if you plead, then this is what you'll get. If you right. don't, we have to go to a trial, then these are the terms. You know, sometimes it's double the time or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. <laughs> Do you go to court a lot? You know, recently I have not. Right. Most cases have been played out before they go to trial. Okay. So you got to get all dressed up in your uniform, do all the shit? The whole show. The option is either you go in suit and tie and or in uniform. Okay. And it pretty much lasts all day. Is it a few days or is it just like you give your testimony and you're out? Well, the preliminary hearings are only half a day perhaps. Okay. But if you go to jury trial, it could be a few days. Wow. Okay. So I invited you, Alex, and I appreciate you coming out. Um, I know a lot of police officers, good guys. And it's it's been very hard for me because I know people from the street. Some of them are reasonable, and, and I'll break that down a little bit more. Some of them are unreasonable, 
and then I know police officers. The unreasonable people are in the matter of defunding the police, and we'll get a little bit more into that. I got some street people that I know that they're, uh, they know that you guys are out to get them as far as they're committing crimes, and your job is to catch them. Their job is to get away. But if they get caught, they're like, yeah, you got us. Shake my hand. We're good. Done. Right. right. Done deal. Right. And, and most OGs will say that. Well, our job is to get away. Their job is to catch us. You know? And your guys' job is, like I said, to catch them. I think the, the, the biggest thing going on right now is just a lot of hate towards police no matter what. Right? I think the biggest thing is people hating the police in any circumstance. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, my family was from the street. There was the old days of there was police brutality. There was things that were kind of shady. Um, But my parents always taught us to respect the police. What do you think is going on where the respect has gone from not just the criminals disliking the police, but even... Regular everyday people, city officials that are supposed to always have your back. What what's the main cause there? What's the main rub that's just sending this into a, a decline? You know, first of all, I'd like to say that um, everything I'll say in, in this podcast is my opinion. Yes. It's not the opinion of my department if you know me. Right. And or the opinion of the city that I work for. Got it. So with that said, um, it's hard to say, pinpoint exactly what it is that caused all this revolt towards law enforcement. I mean, here's the thing. No matter who you are, where you live, what you look like, what ethnicity, what uh, language you speak, if you call 911 and you ask for an officer and you have a problem, we show up. We don't ask you any of those questions. We just right. show up. And we deal with it as you know, as the circumstances unfold or Everything is very fluid. What cost? I'm, I'm not really sure I can pinpoint it. I mean, I think it has to do with with our new culture, with our new, um, uh, I don't know, our new, our new um, yeah, culture, the new, the new. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I think the younger culture, the culture, yeah, is, the younger is uh, not able to receive correction not able to receive any sort of guidance. I mean, I had my friend Mike in here and he's a teacher and we were talking about fatherless homes, you know, are, are, are the voice, right? You have a son. I have a son camo. Um, they're used to hearing our voice, right? Get up boy. You know, I was used to hearing my dad. Did you have a dad in the home? Mm-hmm. So you were used to hearing that voice. You kind of know, Men know that voice. So when we go to jobs or when there's some sort of authority, I think we kind of hear our dad's voice a little bit, right? I, I, I mean, and they teach us, hey, be respectful. We know that. I think the kids today are missing that voice. It's, it's very possible. And uh, one of the statistics, statistics that I've read is that a lot of a lot of homes with without a father are basically the, the birth of a lot of uh, criminal activity. If right. the, let's say the kids, uh, let's say dad's in jail, 
because my only mom and mom's working so the kids now have a run of the house and do what they want whenever they want and i think that could be a problem i mean it's it's a study i don't i can't give you the specifics on it but i've read on this and two I, parent homes it's not a guarantee that the kid's gonna be perfect or go to college or be not be a criminal but the odds are better in a two-parent home correct and that's not to knock the mom the great moms out there or anything like that because i think single moms hear that and think well i'm a great mother but there's something about having a father or two parents in the home that kind of curbs that a little bit right the father figure and and you know and you're right there's a lot of mothers mothers out there that they've done both jobs right the father and the mother you know and then but you still need the male figure right to kind of guide you lead you showed you the way not that moms couldn't not that moms can't but it's different i think the odds are the odds are better i mean i mean if you grow up with a father you're a female you have you have a father figure he's going to kind of show you the man you need to find if you're a son in in a home and you have that father figure he's going to impart in you hard work respect you know what it is to be a man it's very hard for a mother to show a man a, a, a boy how to be a man and and, and 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 it doesn't necessarily have to be the father it could be a, a great uncle it could be a great church member a role mother grandfather man, that, that's happened before but i think like you said the the, the culture begins to raise up yeah, and since it's hard entitlement and it's like since when i've noticed that uh even work ethic isn't the same you know right. your younger generation they call them millennials uh they're not happy with something's going on at work they'll just walk out versus right. Uh, I me, I would have said, okay, well, let me continue to work until I get my education. Let me continue to work till I find something better. Find something else, yeah. But not just walk out, right? You know, I mean, there's no, there's that that uh, work ethic isn't there. I mean, there the sense of entitlement. I don't know how we created that. I'm sure we created it somehow, but I'm not sure how that came about. And I think the that this respect for police, starting with the younger, you know, uh, population or the millennials, as some people refer to them uh started this movement and so we're we're just leaning so far to that side that uh, we've lost of the, the track of what, what, how to be respectful uh, i mean i i have my, my Bas- high school teacher basic morality i still call him sir you know right. and and but some of my younger acquaintances call me my, my first name and i couldn't never dream of calling my teacher yeah. by his first name right hey george what's up no but some y- the younger generation calls me, hey, Alex, what's up? Say, right. Okay. I mean, that, that's how it is nowadays. And yeah. I guess we need to learn to accept it. But it's, it's leaning too far to the to that side to where it's, it's becoming disrespectful. Yeah. Uh, and the entitlement. And, and the, I think there's the, a lot the, more to it. The disregard there for a lot. I was, I was talking <clears throat> to somebody recently, and one of the things they brought up is having to show talk to their, their child about being stopped by the police. And they thought it was a negative thing that they had to talk to their child about that. And I stopped them in the tracks and I said, what do you mean that's a negative thing? Well, you know, we shouldn't have to talk to her. And I said, wait a minute. I've told Cam, you know, if the police put you out, be respectful, man. My father told me, be respectful. They pull you over. The street is not the courtroom. If they if they do something to you, get the badge number. We'll we'll t- take care of it later. But most of the time, it doesn't even need to go that far, and and people are being disrespectful. 
and and I told this person, I said, being a good parent is teaching your kid how to act around people, police in particular. Um, that's not a bad thing, right? No, I mean, police, your teacher, your pastor, your elders, your grandparents. I mean, you've got to you got to show respect, you know. And yeah, police because they're armed or whatever, but that's not the reason. It should be a respect that they're. The, the enforcers of the law and some respect should be shown, you know, not that anybody needs to bow down or anything, but sure. just mutual respect. Yes, sir. Is my ideas and in, in my, in my golf box, you mind if I reach, you know, reach carefully, tell them what you're doing. I mean, there's no need to. I so, so what is, what is the best scenario? I'm a young guy, right? Let's say I have my Raider hat on and this is young 20 year old Dave. Okay. And your twenty-year veteran, Alex. Well, your first mistake is the Raider. Hat. Oh, come on, man! <laughs> See, you're judging me already, man. <laughs> you're profiling me already, dude. That ain't right. That ain't right. Okay, let's let's pretend I'm gonna be a softy little sissy, and I'm gonna wear a 49er hat. How about that? <laughs> okay, I have a Raider hat on. I am a college student. I'm coming. From school, night school. Maybe I'm going a little fast, right? You swoop up on me, because why? Because I'm speeding, right? Correct. Not okay. because of your hat. Not Okay, good. Not because of my hat, because I'm speeding. And I have my seatbelt on. Because I believe those small little things like that make a, a big difference, right? Right. I mean, if I'm rolling down the street, you see me without the seatbelt, that's, that's, I'm breaking the law. Correct. Okay. I'm speeding. Not super fast. I'm late. I want to get home. You pull me over. First thing you're, you're thinking. So in the academy, we're taught to obviously safety. Safety, how you park the car, see if you can see any other occupants in the car, uh, approach tactfully, and there's an eight-step and a five-step. I'm not going to go into all right. that, but essentially saying, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm with this police department. The reason why I stopped you is this. And at that time, we paused to give you a chance to say what you were, what, you know, whatever you're going to say. Oh, I didn't realize or my bad or sorry, I'm, I'm late or I got to go to the bathroom. Otherwise, I'm not going to make it. Right. Anything, right? That's okay. your chance to say something. And okay. then at that time, we will say, okay, may I see your, you know, whatever, registration, license, and so, insurance. So, young Dave, Raider hat, <clears throat> 10 and 2. Okay, hands are, hands are at 10 and 2. I tell you, hey, uh, I'm, I just came from school. I'm running a little bit late. I was supposed to meet my mom, and I'm uh, sorry. What are you thinking? At that, at that time, I'm thinking, but there's no, I have, I have a heart. And I don't know that there, depending on how fast you were going, the area you were driving, if it's crowded with people, it's, it's uh, Thursday night and people's out and about. In the street market, and there's pedestrians everywhere, and you're excessively speeding, I might have to probably write you a site. But if it's no big deal, there's nobody around, it just happened to be a few miles over the speed limit, I don't, I don't really care. Okay. And most cops really don't care. Really don't care. We, we'd rather catch a bigger fish. Okay. Does it make sense? Yeah. So I'd rather catch a DUI driver. I'd rather catch... Because um, if you have me you know, pulled over for any amount of time, somebody else is... Potentially doing something else that is worse. Extreme. Okay. When you approach, when you, let's go back a little bit. When you approach the car, 
what are you are you and i'm saying this in a way of i know some people will take this wrong i mean you're approaching it with anything could happen right anything could happen i mean, that's the right way right correct i mean me and you trained the thing is is somebody's walking up to me in my face i'm expecting anything can happen this guy could just cold cock me so i'm giving space i'm doing whatever we have to do to keep that space you're thinking the same thing right right and there's no such thing as a routine traffic stop because anything can happen i mean i'm sure you watched youtube and the news recently where, i watch cops you know you know you forever officers go to the window and next thing you know there's a rifle or a gun pointed at your face and either you move quickly or you're going to get shot and if you get shot you better return fire and it, it on and on we're and talking on. seconds right we're uh, talking uh, milliseconds. milliseconds right so young dave reaches over grabs his registration insurance license hands it over to you you go back to correct so i go back make sure you're not a you know mass murder wanted right person make sure that your registration and your insurance are both valid and your license is valid if it all checks, I got better things to do. Cool. Dave, have a good night. Try safe. Now, if I was rude, you walk up to the car, and I right right off the bat, maybe I'm maybe I'm having a bad day. Not necessarily a bad guy, but I'm having a bad day. What'd you stop me for? What are you thinking? You know, I'll still go through the same process because uh, all of us we all have bad days. And I don't want to make it worse by, okay, well, who are you talking to? Are you, you, you know you're talking to me, right? I'm the law. You're supposed to respect me and all that. Right. I, I, don't, I don't think that. I am state level-headed. I continue to, to go through my process, through my A steps to get what I need from you and get an answer. Sometimes would you tell me during that chance that I gave you to say something, oh, I didn't realize, or, yeah, I'm going to my, see my girlfriend, I'm late, or whatever it is that you say, I may write that down on a ticket book, on my citation, if I do give you one. Right. So that's now that's my proof that this is what you said. So when I go to court and you say, no, I didn't do that, or I didn't say that, well, it's, it's, right it's, it's documented already. So I try not to play to the emotions because that's what I'm supposed to do. You, my peace cannot be disturbed as an officer. That's, that's a good point, man. Because you, you, you can't win with emotion, right? Nothing. You can't win an argument. You can't win a fight if you're over emotional. <clears throat> I've only seen one player in my entire basketball career play play good, mad. That was Kobe. Everybody else, when you get mad, they they play horrible. So I always say you can't argue with emotion. I tell the kids don't argue with anybody emotionally because they're not they're not listening to facts. They're not listening to reason. They're they're, they're emotionally charged, and emotion runs. If the ego goes up, officer safety goes down. So if I now get emotionally uh, involved with this particular traffic stop, my officer safety starts to go down, you see. So I can't allow this to happen. Uh, there could be somebody laying in the back seat that I didn't notice. Right. Now things are going south. Now I'm going to be on the losing end of this deal. So I have to remain level-headed, continue to go through the process, and stay professional. I mean, really, uh, some people don't believe that we're professional but we do it's just a profession it's a calling it's it's something that we swore to do and want to do the best we can regardless of what you look like or what right. you drive or where you live right and so professionalism is, is first so my my 
outcome is based on my actions or my words. Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Both? Maybe a little bit of both. I, I mean, I, I'm still, I mean, obviously, even police have bad days, I'm, I'm sure, and, and, and times are rough. But I, I still, it still sounds from what you're telling me, it's based on my actions and my words. It could be. It could be, but a good percentage. I mean, not a hundred percent, but a good percentage of in, that. And in, in like I said earlier, um, depending on on the actual situation, every single traffic stop is different. If this is a isolated street, it's a, maybe a, an industrial area where there's nobody, there's no cars, there's no pedestrians, there's no any danger of any kind. I'm even if you had an attitude, I would still probably make sure you're okay, your license, right. registration, insurance, everything is valid, good to go. And provided you're not a, you know, don't have any warrants, you'll probably be on your way. It's still dangerous for you, though, in, 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 in that area. I mean, if it's, if it's an isolated area, I mean, most likely somebody would try something in an isolated area more than they would in a busy street. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that just because you have a bad attitude, you won't, that doesn't mean you're going to get a citation. But it helps to be a good person. It helps to be polite, professional. Like anything, polite. right? Just Any, like anything, right? Just like anything. I like mean, if, if if I go to a restaurant and I, I'm I'm mad because they didn't bring me the right food, and I start yelling at the the waitress. I mean, what? That's not gonna. It's not probably not gonna end well either way. I mean, she's bringing me a new plate. She's probably gonna take her time. I don't know. It just kindness always wins. I would I would say so. So you let me go. Let's let's. Let's give another scenario, and, and and I'll start off an easy scenario. And I and I'm saying scenarios because I I want people to understand what you're thinking, and what how they need to think and act. You walk up to the car, you smell weed. Okay, I know everybody's gonna freak out. It's just weed. Well, we know what the deal is, right? What's your take then? Um, because uh, it's been legalized per California, not the federal government, uh, we still have to do an investigation. There's a certain amount that you can possess that's legally to carry, legally to have, but over a certain amount, it's not. Now, you can't be distributing, selling, or right. carrying more than a certain amount. That, then I have the right to do an investigation. Now I have probable cause to continue to investigate. I may have stopped you for a traffic infraction, but now I'm investigating a possible uh, uh, health and safety code violation, which right. is where marijuana falls into. So now I got the ability to start digging further. Now I have to run your record, see if you have any other cases for sales. Maybe you've been arrested for this before. Uh, maybe your license is suspended. Maybe you have a warrant for your arrest. And at one point or another, uh, I can ask you to come out of the car and ask for a voluntary search of the car. If you refuse, we get the dog, and if the dog hits, and we get in the car anyway. So it's it's best cooperation is best, especially when you know you're caught. You're Again, caught, right? Caught. Again, you're caught. You're caught. Good job. You caught me. I was the idiot. And, and most of the time these days, it's just a citation, just a ticket. All right, appear in court. Because I've seen on like cops or these shows, you know, the guy overreacts, runs. I was afraid. I and he's like, "You're afraid of a couple ounces." It, it went from what easily could have been a ticket, like you said, to now you're evading and taking off, resisting yep. arrest. Resisting arrest, correct. So okay, so that was that. That's that's one of the, 
one of the things I wanted to ask you. Now, where does it go south? If I if you pull me over, I jump out of my car right away and start walking to your car? That's bad. That's bad, right? That's bad because I don't know if you're armed. I don't know you. I've never met you. Uh, I haven't had a chance to run your record to see if you possess any guns. So at, when we do a traffic stop, we give the license plate to the dispatcher. Dispatcher immediately starts to run the plate. See if it's stolen, see if it's current, see if it's valid, see if it's local, and then the driver. Right away, They, if I don't give it to them, they already make start doing the, the driver, the, the RO, the register of the car. Register, yeah. And so if she finds anything fishy, any flags, any, right. then she'll tell us, hey, just be careful, subject's known for this, this, and this, or he's got a warrant. And if it's this person that's driving, potentially he's armed. And so now I now I have now everything. A little heightened. My senses go way up. And if I'm alone, I need to wait for backup. And if I'm in an area where there's nobody, like an industrial area, well, then even worse. So now I'm going to stay back, wait, and approach with caution. Now we have two. Obviously, one of us on the blind side, one on the driver's side. And we'll go from there. But all our sentences are heightened. Heightened. So now we have to uh, really pay attention to what we're doing. And we can't get emotionally involved. Like I said, if your ego goes up, your, your safety goes down. Right. So you're just trying to think clearly, trying to keep your senses up. But if I jump out and I start just walking fast to the front of your car. At that time, I have to make a decision. I need to see, are you armed? Are you potentially armed? Are you violent? Are you, how close are you to my car? And then I, then I make a decision of what tool I'm going to use to stop you from coming so close to me. And we got, I mean, we're talking seconds, right? We're talking milliseconds. So you're, you're, you're already, he's getting out. What does he have in his hand? What am I going to do? Almost all simultaneously. Correct. Wow. So it's, it's a lot to process. Really, it's a lot to process, especially without training. And you have to look at their hands, how close they are, what your background is. Uh, are they, do they look like they're going to be aggressive? Is the chest confused? Uh, is the person intoxicated? Is the person under the influence of something? So, so at that point, I mean, I mean, the media people use this word de-escalating. At that point, you really can't de-escalate, correct? Correct. There's no time. There's no time no to time. de-escalate, right? No time. What do they mean when they say de-escalate? What, what is an ideal situation of de-escalating? Uh, let's say suicidal subject. Okay. He is in his car, and he's threatened to go drive against the wall, kill himself. Uh, if we have time, and time allows, and we always try to make time, and time is on our side, so we take our time. Say, hey, listen, man, it's not worth it. We want to talk to you. We can offer you some help. We can... Get your mom out here and talk to you. Right. And, and just basically trying to get them to to come down from that state of mind they're in. That's some kind of de-escalation. A couple, a couple arguing in the street. Separate the parties. Say, hey, hey they're, calm they're down. Talk to you. Right. And you usually don't say calm down because when you tell anyone to come down, especially my wife, <laughs> she goes off. Yeah. You know, I, I, know what I mean? I have one of those, bro. You don't say <laughs> calm down. You, I Love. Um, chill out. You know, let, let's talk about it. Hey, just let me talk to you. Just yeah. Let me, let me talk to you. Real quick. Hey, love. Let, me, let me see. Yeah. This, this is what I'm hearing. This is right. what you're, you know, and, not, and you have to hear them. Right. And let them go from A to Z. And uh, at one point you go back and say, all right, let me hear, let me see, let me understand I'm hearing you correctly. You said this, sure. this, and this. 
Now it's called the hook technique. Now I'm like, okay, I'm grabbing the pieces that you said. Showing them that they're, you're understanding what they're saying. That I heard, now right. that I understand, and these are the key components of that conversation you just had with me. But that's ideal de-escalation. Ideal. So when people see these subjects in the, in, in the news and they're running at a police officer with a knife or they're fighting with the police... De-escalation is long gone. There's no, there's no room for de-escalation at that point. Right. If you're running towards me with a knife or with the gun or, or simply unarmed, that's fine. There's no, there's no room. There's no chance. There's no space to talk. There's nothing. That's that's done. So, so that's a false narrative. Then that is correct. When, when they use, he should have de-escalated that. You know, I was I was thinking about that. There's no time and and how in. Where is it at? They they try to start their own little community. No cops, Portland, right? So yeah. they, they 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 were talking about they were gonna uh, police their own. You know, society's gonna police their own. So society can't police their own. They they, they know that, right? So that we need somebody to police that. There's just no way of de-escalating those matters, trying to stop those matters. It just just goes. I'll give you a better scenario. Pennsylvania, I think it's Rochester, Pennsylvania. Officer get called to a domestic violence. Lancaster with his sister. Guy. Lancaster? Right. Lancaster, yeah. Police go to the home where the sister says, hey, my brother's right. getting out of control. Well, he goes knocks on the door. And okay, so, hold on, hold on. So the sister, this is like the uh, the Blake situation, right? With the, with the, his ex-baby mama calls the police. The sister calls the police. Now, to me, if your own family's calling the police on you, it's probably bad, right? It has to be. It has to Look be bad, right? Look at those two right? last scenarios that we're talking about. Uh, exact same thing. That's the first thing, called. That's the first thing that I looked at. I was thinking in my head, who called the police? It wasn't the neighbor that called the police. It wasn't family somebody. Members. It was a family member that called of the both police. Both of these incidents that we're talking about. That's critical. That's a critical fact that we don't hear about. It, it just slides by but i was thinking if the family members calling on you it's all bad because they can't de-escalate you it's already bad that's your mother that's your girlfriend that's your sister they can't de-escalate so now they have to call somebody and what what are the police going to do if your own family can't de-escalate right anyways go back to what you're saying and you're absolutely right so this was his sister of the guy that was uh shot but if you go back and look at the video Officer knocks on the door, he retreats for a safe spot to wait, and he comes out of the door with the knife in his hand. I believe it was right hand. Yeah, right hand. And starts running towards the officer. The officer runs the opposite direction on holsters, turns, faces the suspect, and shoots him. Well, the gun, I mean, the, gun, the knife's still in the air. And they riot for that and loot it and burn. Yeah. But the thing is, at what point do they think there was a room for de-escalation between him running out and running after the officer because you're not pulling out your your baton, right? No, you. I mean, you can't. You, you have to meet the, the deadly force with the same amount or higher. You're, you're not pulling. Case, you're not, not pulling out your taser. No. Nothing like that. You, can't. If, you miss, right? You miss with your taser. You're, you're, you're done. I, I think. Uh, I think that's a perfect scenario. What you just said, and 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 if and the body cam footage, right? It was crit- it was critical. Critical for that officer. I mean, we think it was critical. In this day and age, even even when we see video, we still don't believe our own eyes anymore, right? No. 
I mean, the guy's coming. I mean, what would you say in the amount of seconds? Two, three seconds? He's he's there? I think he shows up, knocks on the door. If I would have guessed. Within a few seconds, within he's a few seconds, out the door. He's already running out the door after the officer. Now, with your training, everything that you've been through, would you say that officer handled it by the book? Appropriately. There's no other way, right? There's no other way. There's no other way. I mean, he can he can he can take a knee and pray. Either that, or get stabbed. Get stabbed, right? I mean, I've heard I've heard where people said that they rather be in a gunfight than be against somebody that has a knife, because a knife just coming straight at you. There is in our training, we have this twenty-one foot rule. So if someone with a knife. At 21 feet, and I did the training video on this, um, and I, we tried it, we tested it. I had one of my students be at 21 feet with a plastic knife, and I had a fake gun and a holster. And I was talking to him, and I said, "Hey, put your put your knife down, put your knife down." And at one point, I said, "Whenever you feel like it, start running at me, and we'll record it and see how long it takes." It took him three seconds to get to break that distance, three seconds to to reach me. 21 feet, 7 yards. That's it. Three seconds to go run. You got three seconds. And at that point, for just, we were drilling a technique for officers. Sure. But, but the point is that if you're within 21 feet, chances are you will get stabbed. So at that point, if we see anyone with a knife, we're going to be armed appropriately. If it's two of us, one of them will have less lethal, meaning a taser, a foam, uh, and or um, and the other one will have lethal 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 weapons out either be a rifle shotgun or, or a gun and, and you have to make that decision within seconds right and you have to what are you gonna pull out I mean what am I gonna do we'll have two options in case he stops halfway and there's no need to shoot him right if 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 we can predict that I mean it's hard to say if I mean, you're already if, full if, speed if running he, if he drops it or if he drops it or or decides to turn maybe we can use less lethal but at that point, he's already committed. Chances are he's going to continue. We haven't really seen very many cases where the suspect is running at you with a knife or a stick or a bat. Right. And decides to stop. It's like, oh, never mind. Sorry. But chances are he's committed. He's committed. He's done. He's going. He's coming. I, I mean, you have to be a little bit out of your mind to go after a police officer with, with taser, mace, gun, baton, you know, I'm, I'm sure some body armor. With the knife, you have to be a little bit crazy, right? There's something that have to be something that have to be wrong, or you're on drugs, or you're in a rage. There's, is I mean, in your experience, is that typically the all of the above, really? Maybe uh, all at the same time, right? Right. I mean, right now with the see um, props sixty-seven and fifty-seven made the possession of drugs a misdemeanor before you would go to the county jail for few grams of methamphetamine or a few grams of uh, heroin, things like that. Now it's just a citation. And now because it's, I, I want to say it's more accepted, there's a lot more use of it. And they're like, oh, it's just a ticket, no big deal. It, it seems like the, especially our state government, is lessening the amount for crimes. And everyone's out of jail. Nobody stays in jail anymore. Yeah, everybody gets Before, out. Before, because of those props, and now because of COVID, so nobody's in jail. So oh. you got the car thieves, you got the drug addicts, you got the burglars, you got the rapists. Right. 
everybody's out. I mean, I mean, they kind of lied to the public when they said it was going to be these these guys that have these minor charges, first time offenders, nonviolent, and then you start reading the paper and seeing who they're releasing. They're they're releasing child molesters. They're releasing violent criminals. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're releasing a guy that's been busted for drugs and he has multiple multiple things, he's he's probably going to get to a point where he'll do anything for for drugs, right? Include they're repeat offenders, right? It, it doesn't stop. They they'll tell you, "Oh, I'm going to stop," or "I'm going to try to quit." Or it doesn't happen. Unfortunately for them, it doesn't happen. You know, once an addict, always an addict. And that we see those same people getting arrested over and over. And yeah, you, over I, I, I've and watched over. cops in these shows, and 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 the police know them. Yeah, they know name. them by name. I know them by name. I know their date of birth, and right. I don't even know my own brother's <laughs> date of birth, but I know their date of birth and full name of a lot of these repeat offenders because that's, you know, that's what we deal with on a regular basis. But they don't stay inside. They keep coming out. And that's why your rear window's busted and your guitar's missing, your luggage is missing, your radio's missing, somebody's gone through your center console and taken all your change and and so forth and so on. And and I think people think, like, it's your fault. You know, um, you're arresting them, you're putting them in jail, it's your fault. All the police are doing is just doing their job, enforcing the law. That's it. That's it. If you had a quiet night, isn't that isn't that kind of what you want every night? I don't have to pull over nobody. I'm not arresting nobody. I went to work, put my shift in, came home. That's it. You know what? Unfortunately, that's the attitude of a lot of officers these days because of the climate towards law enforcement. They're like, if I don't do anything, if I don't have to stop anyone, and if I have to fight with anyone, if I don't have to shoot anyone then I won't be on the news tonight and tomorrow morning and I keep my job. And I can only imagine that's happening more and more, right? It is I, happening I, more and I more. saw um, in New York a report from New York that um, I'm sure it's happening in every department where officers are saying they want to retire, they want to resign, um, they, you know, they, 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 they don't want to do their job, where some have reported that they, I'm going to go hide in this parking lot somewhere and ignore everything that's going on. That guy walking in the middle of the street that looks crazy. I don't want to deal with him because of everything that's going on. Exactly. How dangerous is that for the general public? You guys have to, or not you in particular, but that officers are thinking like that now. I mean, if I'm a 20 year vet, 25 year vet, I'm looking at, the river every day, right? Retirement. I'm looking at moving to another state. I'm looking at, I put in all these years. I don't want to get into that beef with somebody. And that's exactly what's happening. You don't want to lose your retirement. You don't want to lose your job. Uh, all because of one altercation. And then it gets twisted by the media. My question was always been, or has been, why does the media, social media, and any kind of media, not just say, hey, Suspect shot by the police when the suspect attacked the officer with the knife. Suspect, officer, that's it. But no, they have to make it white officer shoots a black right. suspect. Right. Unarmed. You know, but, and, and like you said earlier, if it, that a lot fuels of the fire, get, right? It gets spliced. You know, they, they take everything out of contest. Right. And there is no, they want to show a video, show the whole thing. Show right. how the officer tried to de escalate, show how the officer talked to the suspect, try to get him to comply, to cooperate. Get in the car, George Floyd. Hey, well, come on, well, that's get in the a, car. That, that's a great point of what you're saying is that 
somebody told me, you know, on the police shooting right away, you know, this racism has to stop. And I said, how do you know anything about that cop? Is he a white cop? Well, he looked white. What's his last name? It was like an Italian last name, right? You know, oh, it was a black guy. Okay. But this racism has to, I don't, I, I told this person, I was like, how do you know the heart of that officer? There's, there's, a, there's a ton of other things that it could be. Bad training. He got nervous. He could have made a legit mistake. And maybe he was racist. I don't know. We don't know. But you brought up the George Floyd thing. I think it was bad, and we'll get to that. But there was something about that watching that whole video, the eight-minute long video. And I'm not going to say it changed my mind, but it gave some, I don't know if that's a word, but it, it gave some human elements to the story instead of just the thing where we saw that one guy and we'll get to him but if you saw the longer version there was a lot going on before that and i felt the that asian cop there was a uh, another cop that was there a lot of those guys were being kind to that to george i felt that the one part which was which was bad and we'll get to that but there was some human element before that that i felt that was like okay this is maybe not about racism this might be about a dumb act from a cop what's your take on that you know what i've worked in this police department for uh, 20 years and i was a uh, volunteer with lapd for six years not once not ever have i seen any of the officers act in a racist manner i guess is that is that correct to say towards anyone anyone regardless of the color of your skin, where you came from. Because you're brown, right? I'm brown. Okay. I just want to make sure. And, and, and most of the department is people of color nowadays, especially in, in the SoCal area, right? LAPD. There's a lot of there's a lot of Latino people, black officers, mm-hmm. Asian officers, people of color. For some reason, people think that every officer is white. You're not white. Correct? Correct. So you've never seen it. But I've never seen it. I've never experienced it. Never. And, and people will say you're lying. I'm sure they could, but there's what, where's the proof? If I'm 6'8", and I'm, a, I'm going up to you, is any jiu-jitsu, taekwondo you know, going to take me down if I'm 6'8", 340, 350? Probably not. So when they say unarmed, it st- doesn't mean that that person's not dangerous. He can Correct. have fists as big as lunch pails. Correct. And so there, your only option is what? Yeah, there was an officer. In fact, I still see the pictures on my mind that I, female officer, petite, small, got attacked by, by a suspect and beat the living Jesus out of her, for lack of a better term. And she survived. But nonetheless, I think she used lethal, lethal force. And the suspect was unarmed, like you just said. But had she not done what she did, she'd probably be dead. Because there's female officers, there's regular, there's male officers. Unfortunately, there's unfit officers. Untrained, don't train. Uh, don't, don't the donut officers, right? Donut officers. They're, they're just you know cruising by the donut shop. I mean, I saw a video not too long ago. I mean, luckily for this officer, he tried it. It was a donut officer try to take this guy down in the street. I don't know what the guy did. The guy turned around, hit him, was on top of him. The, the the neighborhood jumped the guy and got him down. 
I don't I know saw if you saw that, that video, yep. right? Saw that. That guy was going to be dead, right? He should have. Yeah. He, for if sure. If it wasn't for, for sure. the people in that neighborhood jumping in, that guy's killing that sure. donut officer. For sure. I mean, like I said, I think that it doesn't always mean unarmed doesn't always mean that the guy is not dangerous. Or innocent. Or innocent. If he's pounding, if, 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 if he's an ex-fighter, a boxer, and he's and he hits you one time, and you see stars. There's only one thing you can do, right? One thing. It, you got to defend yourself. And the state of California gives us the the ability to use the necessary force to overcome resistance and to arrest a fleeing felon. Uh, in the video we're talking about now, the, there are several things that went wrong. Number one, officer side of shape. Number two, he's acting alone in a neighborhood. That's tactically unsafe and now he's getting he's risked the, the 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 chance of getting knocked out now his gun's taken away his car's taken away in his car there's probably other guns uh it's all rifles uh other equipment not to mention his computer all, all kinds of things he gone wrong so he should have been better tactically trained if you will but yeah that was that if the neighborhood didn't intervene, I'm sure he would have ended up dead. Now, going back to the uh, the George Floyd incident, kind of that kind of threw f- fuel in the fire for everybody and got this whole thing started. Correct. Um, not looking at the video before, we, we, we mentioned that. It was some human decency there. Um, there's, no de- there's no denying the eight, nine minutes everybody's seen. The guy on his back. What was wrong with that bit? What, what was wrong with that action? Not the video. Nothing wrong with the video. But what was wrong with the action of that officer? A couple things come to mind. I'm not sure people will agree with what I'm going to say. But uh, based on my background of training officers, teaching self-defense, doing jiu-jitsu Cause, with cause, you. Because that's what you do, right? Correct. You train officers. You teach them these things i'm okay. a taser instructor i was a karate instructor that's gone away and Talk about uh, that uh jiu-jitsu i've done jiu-jitsu for 10 years with with javi but um so if you just look at the video and or just eight minutes it's it looks bad it's terrible nobody nobody no one in law enforcement agrees that that's acceptable that's okay. that's what i said I, no I, I don't i don't i don't think anybody other than the the idiot racist somewhere in his basement, right, was digging that. I think I, I thought for sure that was going to be something that kind of pulled us to, together a little bit and said, okay, you know, this is wrong. We can all agree on this. There's just no doubt. That's it. No doubt. That was wrong. Okay. Um, looking at the entirety of the video, the officers did give him multiple commands several times. Um, it seems to me like uh, as evidence comes out, Perhaps he had consumed a drug that caused him to be an excited delirium, which is a technical term, but uh, I don't think they tested for that. But anyway, that's no here nor there. The fact that what we saw, and based on just eight sec- the eight minutes, uh, no one, no one in my department or anyone that I know this in law enforcement agreed. That looked bad. Now, right. if we uh, widened the lens, they were cordial, say, hey, can I just buy the car? Right. And then his, his behavior, his attitude, 
Uh, he was almost in the back of the police car, almost. Almost. Had he gotten back there and they closed the door, it would have been a done deal. We probably wouldn't be seeing a lot of what we're seeing right now. Right. Uh, tactically, I don't know that, uh, that that putting one knee on someone's one side of the carotid is going to have an effect because the other one's still open. And if he's talking, he's clearly able to breathe. And I'm only speaking in the matter of uh, jiu-jitsu practice and being a karate, certified karate instructor. Now, there is also evidence that these officers were trained in this manner to control combative and sub- suspects or subjects under excited delirium. So they were trained to put their weight on them on a prone position and wait until medical aid arrived. Okay. And so with all these things, it's still wrong what he did, what happened. I mean, I don't... Well, what would you have done different? Same scenario. Provided that he did not want to get in the car, I would have called additional officers. We probably put our... But then again, depending on the crime. I mean, why are we doing all this if it's just a forgery? Does, do they, does the a business owner really want prosecution? Do okay, they, so that, that's, you know? a, that's a good point. I mean, it goes back to, is it worth it, all that? Well, let me, can I show you a quick story? Yeah. So, big box store where I work. I mean, a huge company. It's it's everywhere. Huge. Uh, anyway, in the mall. It's strip mall. Okay. And we got a call. Hey, we got a guy in here. I won't, you won't even play the race card. Let's just say big guy. He's, okay. uh, he's uh, 260 tall. He's got a cart full of merchandise, and we think he's going to walk out. So, like, okay. So, we'll send police. So, dispatch sends us out there. We all show up. He walks out of the store. Hey, he's all walked out with the stuff. All right, cool. So we see him. Now we got. Now we know who he is. He runs to the parking lot. One of our officers gives chase, right, in his car. Doesn't stop. He doesn't want to stop. He doesn't want to stop. Big guy, right? We're talking big, muscular, big dude. And the officer cuts him off, gets out of his car, jumps out, jumps on him, t- tackles him. Now the, the calorie is just showing up. Now we're piled up. They're piling this guy. Yeah. Take him to custody. Everything is fine. This, this officer, the primary officer, goes back to the store and says, hey, we got him in custody. We need you to sign uh, a citizen's arrest form. Oh, no, we don't arrest anyone. We just want to get his stuff back. Now, do you see what that puts us in? What position that puts yeah. us in? Okay, so now they don't want any prosecution. They just want their stuff back, right? But we went hands on this guy. And if he turned around and started shooting us or had a knife, or had any inclination of causing damage to any of us, <clears throat> we probably would have shot him. Right. Over something that... That the store is not willing to prosecute. Yeah. So now we got injured. Uh, potentially be on administrative leave. and the Investigation, right, everything. Right, right, right. So now, for what? For, for the something. store that says, oh, we just want our stuff back. But now we put hands on this guy. And based on the climate, well, I'll say it. He was a black guy. It just looks, it just looks bad. Black American. You know, but now we're chasing. Now the police chasing these guys through the parking lot. This is not long ago. This is this is a few weeks back. Right. And now we put hands on him. And because he's resisting, we need to overcome resistance. The California Penal Code gives us the authority to over to utilize necessary force to overcome resistance. Right. Now he's resisting. Now we have to go ticketed next level up tasers or oc or even baton 
and we, we send them to the hospital. We send guys, two our guys to the hospital. We go to the store, and the store's like, oh, no, we, we don't want them arrested. We just I, want our stuff back. I, I can only imagine this probably happens all the time with domestic violence stuff. You well, guys, that's, that's you, different, though. On domestic violence, you have to take the state them. of California okay. dictates that's right. zero, zero. But, 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 but almost the same scenario where the wife's scared, she's calling, you guys come, you get into the fight with, with, this, with this assailant, right? And then she's crying and saying, why are you taking him? But this time, if we find whomever is the aggressor, we're going to take him. But, so, but once again, it's an unnecessary thing because they're going to probably be back together the next day. Yes, but <laughs> there's zero tolerance. So now this one's it's a mandate. We have to you make have an to arrest. Take we have to make an arrest. Yeah. You know what? But I'm just saying she's calling to, for you guys to show up. Something could go down. All bad for you guys. All bad for him. Right? And she ends up being back together with him the next day. And it happens all and the time. And it happens all the time, right? I mean, all yeah, you're going to take him to jail because that's the law. But... The risk there, right? The risk. It's not like she's this, leaving him. It's not like she put a restraining order and he showed up to the house again and she's trying to, been trying to get away. Those are rare. Right. But the fact is that they will get back together. They get back together. We went through all of this, exposed ourselves to COVID, to getting shot, to getting stabbed, to getting you know into an altercation that we need to be, and they get back together. Which, you know, which is fine, and that's not our business. Our right. business is to go on your job. business, investigate it to the fullest, to the best of our ability, and figure out who the aggressor was. If there was one, sometimes it's just a verbal argument. People have the right to argue. You argue right. all you want, right. as long as you don't put hands on each other. When that happens, we determine you who have the no aggressor choice. is. Somebody has to go. No choice. Right. But in this other case that we're talking about, you know, it's like, how do we win? We don't. Yeah, you don't you know? win. We don't win. Does that guy walk away free? Or because he fought with you guys a little bit? or Because he resisted. He resisted. Then he, there was a charge. Okay. But nonetheless, that didn't need to happen. Right. We didn't have to put hands on him. He didn't have to go to jail. But also, he's also committed a crime. But no victim, no crime. Right. So if the big store is not, and you it, know, one in prosecution, well, we need to let him go. And now, had we stopped him, and no, no hands, he stops, all right, cool, you got me, puts his stuff down, sits on the curb. We go talk to the the business owner and say, hey, we don't want just want to step back. All right, dude. See you later. Let me make sure you're not wanted. Make sure you don't have any warrants. Wow. And see you later. Especially now with the new law, right? It, it, it's, what is it, a misdemeanor up to 900 and something dollars? $950. I mean, that's that's a nice big screen right there that you can walk out with. Yeah, big TV, big screen TV, computer. Right. Name it. iPhone. Just a ticket. That's it. But you guys are at risk, man. Exactly. And, and it's an, it, unnecessary. Yeah. But we can't tell the business, hey, uh, sorry, we're not coming because you're on prosecution. But it doesn't work that way. Doesn't like work I said that. in the beginning of this podcast, I say, hey, anyone calls. You guys go. We're going to go. Even even if I misdial 911. Sometimes, yeah. That's right? The case. You're showing up. I mean, dispatch will try that's, to call back and say, hey, did you need us? Did you call? Is everything okay? If you don't answer, we're coming. You're coming. If you answer, say, oh, no, my, my son, my son or, or whomever was playing with the phone and misdialed, we're still going to. Sometimes, depending on the call load. We may still show up just to make sure that was the case. It's amazing to me that you guys show up no matter what. No matter who, no matter what, you're showing up, you're helping. This whole notion of defunding the police. You're you're a trainer. You train police. You train officers. Um, I'm sure that costs money. 
this whole defund the police thing to me is totally opposite of what needs to happen. I agree. Uh, I I think every um, thing we want to get better. If I want a school to get better, I don't get less teachers. Um, if I want, um, you know, my job site to run more efficiently, we're hiring more guys. We 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 need to. Everything needs more money to be better. Why does the public? Why do government officials? Say, let's defund the police. How is that going to make the matter better? Well, I'll tell you what. It's not going to make things safer. It's not going to be safer. And like you said, if you want a better school to run, you know, better and your students to learn more, you're going to get more teachers. If you're on your job site to, to be smoother, maybe finish a little bit earlier than you wanted to, you're going to hire more guys. The objective and the directive is the same. However, I'm not sure how they think that no police is going to be better for anyone and i'm sure you've seen the spike on gun sales and animal right. sales in california right it's very poor thinking if they do defund the police we're gonna have to defend ourselves might as well be armed let's go arm ourselves there is no guns so so, so, so somebody so so somebody like me i'm not saying i have guns i'm not saying I, i'm this the greatest fighter i can hold my own i'll i'll defend my home Defunding the police only hurts the most vulnerable, right? The ones that need it the most. When I think about defunding the police, the first thing that comes to my mind is my mom living by herself, taking care of my 86-year-old grandfather. That's not doing good, right? Mm-hmm. Her only option, she she's a little gangster. She might have a gat somewhere in the, in the house. You know what I mean? I'm not going to not going to give anybody any ideas out there. Just be careful. She was from the hood. <laughs> but my her first option is to call the police. A single mother with three kids in the house. First option, call the police. Call the police. Lock the door, call the police. Right? And so if we defund and it takes you an extra five minutes to get over there, that's a long time. It's a long time. I mean, we roll... We spar for five minutes. It's a long time, especially when under you. Man, I'm dying. <laughs> it's a long time, though, right? So defunding the police hurts the most vulnerable people in society. Absolutely. Women, <clears throat> children, elderly. Those that cannot defend themselves. And, and, and in the most vulnerable areas, right? Poor areas. Because rich people have gates and security systems and armed guards, arms, and- armed guards and everything. It just seems like it goes backwards when they when they talk like that, you know. I'll, I I have one friend of mine at work. He's a felon, two time felon, changed his life around, did his time, came out, became a plumber, great plumber, great employee. I mean, when people say they can't change their life around after prison, I'm just like, well, you're not going to be the president. Mm. You know what I mean? You're not going to be the CEO of. Some Fortune 500 company. But there is a job for you. It might not be the ideal job that you love, but there is a second chance if you really want it, especially here in America. If you really want it, right, absolutely. Right? So I, so I was talking to him, and he brought up a scenario where he said, who do you think I'm going to call? Two-time felon, right? He, he said, 
if somebody's coming into my house, you think I have to defend my family. I'm going to hurt this guy. If I kill this guy, what's going to happen to me? I don't know. My first first call is to the police to come and handle it. Let them handle it. Because if I have to stab this guy or find a gun somewhere and shoot this guy or beat the heck out of this guy, I'm already two-time felon. I'm going to be in trouble. I mean, that was a perfect... To me, that was an eye-opener. Because I was thinking... I was just thinking the most vulnerable. But a guy that's trying to live his life right now, two-striker, and has to make a split decision on, do I beat the hell out of this guy? To, you know, and, and at that point, you know, this guy's trying to hurt my family. I might choke this guy out for good. You know, I thought that was a great scenario that he told me. Yeah, I mean... It is. It is. It is kind of ridiculous that people are thinking that with uh, social workers going in alongside of police going to handle this to to deescalate it. Yeah, right? you know what? And as police officers, we do it all. We're nurses. We're doctors. <laughs> yeah. We're counselors. We're pastors. We're right. lawyers. I mean, we're we're uh, marriage counselors. You name it, we do it all. Yeah, provided that a counselor may have some insights, deeper insights, and more educational in certain subjects, they're not. They're not. Uh, a counselor's not going to go. It's not going to go into a domestic violence thing situation and, 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 where and, it's hot and heated and things are being thrown and knives are being pulled and there, at that time there is no need for or there's no room right for de-escalation of no. any kind. There's no conversations to be had at that time. Parties need to be separated. People need to be made safe. And so there's no. That's, that's ridiculous. I'm not sure who came up with that. Who decided that was a good idea? But absolutely, it's gonna worse. It's gonna be worse if they continue to happen. Several departments throughout the country have already cut funding for police. Yeah, and I don't know if you noticed, but statistics show that the crime rate in that particular city, where the, the police was actually defunded, has skyrocketed. Well, if we look at uh, New York right now. I love the city of New York. I always felt safe when we went there the last four or five years. We've been there a few times and never had a problem. I'm not going back. The murder rates jumped, I think, 120% from last August to this August. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, why would you want your city like that? New York's a beautiful city. L.A. is a beautiful city. But, I mean, if you're defunding police... You're not going to be in that city at night. You're not going to be walking during the day. I mean, if, if you're defunding police, you're taking. Another thing about defunding the police is I know the L.A. County Sheriff talked about um, certain divisions have to be defunded. And these are like divisions of, you know, um, officers that investigate sex crimes or, you know, um, Crimes against children, things like those type of divisions. Don't we need those divisions? Uh, they have a crucial role in investigating these type of crimes because they're not bound by calls for service. Uh, for example, where I work, we have the patrol force, which is in the field. And then we have the detective bureau. And then we have crimes against children. And we have uh, sex traffickers, officers. That they, That's all they do. They're not, if we get a call for service... They're not bound to respond to that. They have a 
different completely. Their job is investigation. Job. Now, if they're taken out of that and put in the patrol, nobody's going to investigate any of these things. So or if their job's eliminated. If, it, if it's eliminated, then no one's going to investigate that. And once again, who's the most vulnerable being hurt by that? Now, all it, the people that are being sex trafficked, uh, children. Kids. The I mean, missing it, kids. Yeah. Again, you're... Like what you said, you know, all the, the the ones that need it the most are not going to be protected, are not going to be investigated. You just saw recently that uh, task force recovered 30 kids. Yeah. If it wasn't for that task force, then these kids would have never been recovered. Do we understand what that is? That's a whole classroom, a California classroom, 30 kids being found in some, you know, metal container somewhere or wherever they were at. They I defund mean, those those positions and they take them out of the, what they do, what they do best. Then so, those kids would have never been found. So, so criminals, bad people, licking their chops. Yeah, they're like, well, they're we're like, hey, let's, let, let's keep. You know, we, we, there's no police here to do this. We're just going to keep doing this, and, and now it's even worse. Mm-hmm. There's a saying right now, switching gears a little bit. I'm not anti-police. I'm anti. Brutality. And I say that because it's a little subjective, right? Absolutely. When it's like anything, right? If you, if you, if it's subjective, it, but you have to know the details of what's going on, right? The entirety of the, you got to know the entire details. You got to know what's allowed. You got to know what's within the law, who the person is. It's, it's bigger than just anti brutality. I think a lot of people see something, that cop just punched that dude in the face. Or that cop can't do it anymore. Apply to choke on that guy. It's subjective, right? Because what what, what can be brutality in in the layman's eyes is not brutality. It could be if within you're, the law, if, correct. If, within the law, correct? Right. So the officer has the right to apply any necessary force to overcome resistance. Especially when you somebody under arrest and they're like oh no i'm not going well now you have to right. take whatever means necessary in the eyes of the untrained public or uh i don't know i want to call anybody ignorant but the ignorant they just don't know populace doesn't know that that is the ride an officer has to take now all of these situations i'll say 90 percent the situations that we've seen recently in our country could have been avoided have the person being investigated i won't even call him a suspect person being investigated or arrested just complied okay you, you think you're arresting me for i'll falsely arresting me but that's okay i'll go with it and once i get out i'm gonna get my attorney and then i'll, I'll take it from there we'll Perfect. deal with this in court right do that do that but if you instead want to resist and fight and now it again we have as officers the right to affect the arrest and and that's what we're going to do because that's what we get paid to do. Not necessarily because, oh, well, you're defying me. Well, not, I'll teach you a lesson. No, that's not really that way. It's just because that's what the penal code, right. in California at least, calls us calls for us to do. And it's totally within the law. But if you only play, you know, a three-second clip, five-second clip of an officer taking, um, taking somebody into custody and the suspect's resisting and the officer has to use the necessary force or take it one step further because the suspect is either... Um, an influence of drugs or right. is armed or has already punched officers like the the officers that pulled over that one guy in the drive through Wendy's. Yeah. Well, he didn't pull him he over. He's already there. 
Right. He passed out. They go pull him out, do DUI. Okay, yeah, he's deuce. Let's, let's take him. They go to arrest him. Now he's into a fight with him. And now he takes one of his tasers. Okay, the, 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 the bigger part of that is he, he punched. He's a fighting them. He punched one of the officers. And correct? took one of the tasers. Takes one of the tasers. Runs. They chase him. Correct. He turns back to fire the taser. Fired it. Fired, fired it, right? Yeah, he fired it. Yeah, you can see it in the video. Explode. Okay. People say, you hear this all the time. What? What's the main thing they said? Why didn't you uh, taser him? Or why didn't you let him go? Or why didn't you shoot him in the leg? Oh, you got to stop the threat. Right. Not, not the person. You don't shoot okay. any, any. You stop the threat. You never say shoot him in the head to, to kill him. No, you say you stop the threat. Because he's not only a threat to those officers, right? He could be a threat to anybody else. I now mean, he's running opposite direction. He goes on the Wendy's. He takes uh, one of the people that are on a drive through take their car. Now you got to, you know, uh, you know. Okay, let's say he takes their car, car jacks them. Jacks them up, takes their car. Now he crashes oh, into somebody else. Crashes into now a lady walking pursuit, her kids. And then crashes into another car that just happened to be going by with the family. So now he's hurt or possibly killed three other people when it could have been stopped. Correct. I don't think nobody sees that far ahead. They, you know, I mean, the guy's asleep in the drive-thru. He's fighting with the police. He punched the police. I mean, we all know that, yeah, you shouldn't punch the police. He fired the ta- took the taser, fired the taser. Yeah. Assaulting an officer, it's a crime. I'm not sure anybody knew that, but assaulting a police officer, it's a crime. Right. Simple. So he already committed a crime. And then he punched him. You know, and then took the taser. Now, now he's got a. See, here's the thing, though. The narrative says uh, a taser is is a non-lethal weapon, but some of the politicians say, "Oh no, a taser is a lethal weapon." So they're they're playing it however they see it fit for themselves. And you know, a lot of things happening too. I think have to do with politics right now. Right. But you hear that you'll hear politicians say, "Oh, a taser is uh, non-lethal." Some politicians will say, "No, a taser is lethal." But in this case, when the officers fired it, well, when the suspect fired it, it was non-lethal. Right. But when the officers shoot it, it's a non-lethal. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So why the discrepancy? It's it's a non-lethal weapon. Do you, do you think, how big of a role do you think politics is playing? I think it's huge. Right. I think every four years during the election time. I remember in 2016, it was it was a little bad. It was a little, the, the, Kaepernick, the Kaepernick thing the Dallas police officers got got shot. A lot of the, you know, it was a big deal. Um, and it seemed like it's just been going down. Why are, you know what's funny about this? And there's a, I won't even say his name, but there's a guy running now that created a bill that put a lot of people in jail. Mm-hmm. His VP is known to withhold evidence. Put a lot of people in jail. Those two people are now running on the point of let them out of jail. We're not we're not for the police. The thin blue line. We're, we're not about that stuff. And I tell people, do you see? Do you just see that? I'm not telling you who to vote for. Mm-hmm. You can vote for whoever you want to. But if that's your argument. Do you know, I, I talked to a guy the other day. I was like, look, man, I don't know about that dude. He created the crime bill that separated families. We talked about fathers in the home. Mm-hmm. Where's those fathers at? Oh, they're in jail because of this crime bill. And it, and maybe they deserve to go to jail for some of their crimes. 
but they were not there for an extended stay, right? Here's his VP that was known to keep evidence away and prosecute people and give throw the book at them. Now they're running on this thing of, hey, we, we need to free these criminals. Go ahead and, and riot. Go ahead and cause mayhem in the street. How come people don't see that? Like, like, how come you're not aware of they'll say anything to be in power? I'm sure there's a ton of people on both sides of, you know, red and blue. But they're, they're running. They, they ran on before law and order. And now they're running on chaos and mayhem. It's just incredible to me how people don't see the, the whole picture, the entire picture. And everything behind it, and do something. Nobody does any any legwork on on figuring things out and how true they are, how le- legitimate they are. Our data, numbers, numbers. Right? Yeah, I mean, if you're savvy with uh, social media, I'm sure you're savvy looking stuff up. Go to the FBI uh, website, and a lot of statistics are, you know, clearly clearly uh, pointed out and and uh, categorized, so you can find them as easy as possible. I don't know. I don't know why people choose to. To, to go to one side. I mean, is it they want lawlessness? They want their cities to burn down. To be, do want to be? Do they want to be afraid Cause of I, this mobs? Because I honestly believe, and, I honestly believe that most of America, but wants to a, a couple things. They want to be left alone. Less government in their life is always better. I tell people that all the time. They say, no, no, I want more government. Really, go to the DMV on Friday, mm. and and you'll get a little taste of that. Right. They want some safety. Huge, right? Especially when you have kids. You know, a lot of these people are causing mayhem in the street and have no kids. They're, they're, they probably don't have no job. They're just out there acting crazy. And people want to earn a living and provide for their family. That's it. I mean, I think the majority of America could say that's all I want. Be left alone. And... To say the, the the chaos and the mayhem in the streets and the defunding the police and, and, and letting criminals out early. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, it, it. why would anybody want to be a cop, bro? You know what? It's, it's, we were just talking about that in the agency that I work for. It's like we are dealing with budget issues. And I say we, but uh, really the city. And now they're threatening with taking a percentage of our salaries away because of COVID. They're claiming it that they're claiming that COVID has something to do with it. And I think it's more than that. And now they're saying if this tax bill doesn't go through that potential, we could lose officers, meaning working officers. So I don't know if it's a scare tactic or not, but the point is that we are not, we're losing more things that benefits used to attract people to work or right. this agency, or any agency. Right. And so we lose the benefits. We lose uh, certain formula for retirement. We lose certain medical benefits. We lose certain retirement benefits. So it's, it's going to be interesting in the next uh, 10 years to see who. I mean, there's a lot of youngsters still working, but once they get older and they retire and they they go out because your back or your neck or your knees right, starting to go out medical medically, retire, you're going to see a shortage of officers. It's going to be really interesting. You know, I wanted to stay five more to do 25, total 25, but I'm thinking more like three, to be honest yeah. with you. 
Yeah. I'm thinking if, if uh, God willing, I get my brown belt, I'd like to open up a little a little hole in the wall studio where I can teach kids off the street, you know, where they can't really pay, something that I could run on my own for to, with right. donations and whatnot. Some jujitsu. Uh, and just do that as a side gig, you know, just, just for giggles, give something to do. I'm praying that what I get on my retirement will be enough to, to sustain me. Sustain I don't I don't live above my means, but nonetheless, it's comfortable, you know. And so, but it's going to be interesting to see, number one, if anybody wants to do this job after this, this is all over, and if it ever ends. And the shortage of officers, you already mentioned earlier that a lot of officers just want to quit. I was like, we're done. In fact, um, I was watching uh, Fox News, and they were scrolling the names of chiefs of police from Just leaving. Just leaving. Just like, hey, I'm out. I'm out. Because they I'm already out. have I'm enough out. time. If you're yeah. a chief, you already have enough time, huh? Well, well, that, but the problem is that if you don't get backing from the government right. and from the city, and city council, city mayor, yeah, and they're just you know running amok with your officers and doing what they want and doing illegal stuff, like the officers that have been fired the next day on shootings, that's not how it's really supposed to happen. Right. You put on, you get put on administrative leave, and then you're investigated. Right. If they find that you violated policy and you violated people's civil civil rights, then yes, that is grounds for termination. You don't fire an officer the next day or that day. The the mayor doesn't come into your office as the chief of police and say, "Hey, I need you to fire this guy." You don't do that. That's not how it works. At least not in California. The minute that happens in California, I'm out. Yeah. But at least in California, you have the bill of rights because you don't because you, you have no backing. No you're, backing. You're you're, so, you're you're out there by yourself. I guess what I'm saying is the chiefs of police and a lot of officers are retiring because they have no backing from the city. Uh, I wouldn't say from the chief because the chiefs are like, hey, you're gonna, you, I can't deal with this. You know, you're mistreating my officers. You're violating their rights and, right. and so forth and so on. Then I'm out. And so there's a lot of vacancies. You know, even a, a very popular uh, a black female chief in uh, Seattle. I saw that. She's like, I'm out. You know, yeah, they, she would, they, and, they, they and cut, her officers loved her. And they cut their budget. And, yeah. And so, but anyway, so I'm going to rabbit hole. I don't want to go down into <laughs> <laughs> What do police need, man? What I, I mean, there's people out there going to say, hey, you didn't, you didn't ask them this question. And the question of you've been in the department for a long time. Obviously, there is some flaws in the department. There's flaws everywhere. Everywhere. You know, if, if if you can't measure something, you can't improve upon it, right? Correct. So if you're measuring the police force, what changes, if you can make them, would you like to see? First, what do they, or what do they need? So first I'll say, let me tell you that most officers that are working wanted to do this job. Officers like myself, we love what we do. With that said... What I think is needed is definitely funding for more training. What type of training? Uh, de-escalation tactics, defensive tactics. I would love to see my department adopt uh, jujitsu as part of the curriculum. That's huge, right? And I, that would be me. They have me, however, it's, it's a little bit complicated because it's hard to get guys to buy into it. I can tell you jujitsu is great. If you're an officer and it's like, hey, jujitsu is great. I mean, I can teach you this, isn't it? The problem is this, and there's a great article out there as to why officers don't train. Um, the, the things that they cite is, oh, I don't want uh, time away from my family. The other one is, oh, I don't want to get hurt outside of work. The other one is, oh, jujitsu is too expensive. 
And so I offer it to my guys for free. And there is every once in a while I'll get taken up on the on the offer. And I am as a resource, I'm, I'm putting it out there for officers that want to do do it. Right. And those that have done a class or two, but it's it's not enough. You know, it needs to be a so it has to be mandatory. mandatory, mandatory and continuous over the career, over the life of your career. Right. And, and that should be with all training? With all training. Right. Now, Just, we do do, like, firearms training, for example. Yeah. Three times a year. Well, people are going to laugh at that. They're going to say, of course you you're know. doing firearms training. That's why. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. We go more hands-on than we do shootings. We, sh- we shoot more. Sorry. Yeah, we shoot more than we do defensive tactics. And this is what's ridiculous. We're still doing the same old defensive tactics we did when I went to the academy. 50 years, maybe. 21 years ago. Yeah. I mean, they've been So by that, I mean, when I went to the academy, they showed us this funky Z-guard and, and armbar takedown and all this garbage that I've never in 20 years, never, not once, not have I used. Right. But we're supposed to go to mandatory training, which is through post to California Police Officer Standards and Training. That, and when we I saw the curriculum, and it's the same garbage. Oh. It's garbage. And that's what I'm talking about. We need to do away with that. And unfortunately... Uh, the dynamics of in-house training is different because we're we're going to a another facility, another agency, yeah, another agency who provides this training for us, the firearms and the defensive tactics, along with uh, legal updates and CPR and all the other stuff yeah. and uh, defensive uh, driving. So this the city that I work for pays this other bigger agency money for all of our officers to go there and train. But that training, when it comes to defensive tactics, is the same that I learned right. 20 years ago, which is absolute garbage. And I'll say it, and I'll say it again. It's garbage. But uh, I'm actually, I have good news, though. I spoke with the commander of, uh, of patrol where I work, and she agreed to participate in a four-hour class that I have a curriculum for. Nice. Which is combatives, you know. Right. I uh, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but I've been to GST one and two, and of course, ten years uh, of jiu jitsu. So tell tell people what that is. So GST is Gracie Survival Tactics, right. and it essentially it's uh, Gracie combatives, blue belt combatives, uh, made to work for law enforcement. Meaning, uh, there is a way to hold people down, a way people a way to take people down, either a single or double, and or. Uh, and handcuffing techniques. And all of these things could be done without throwing a single punch. Right. Without throwing a single I, punch. I mean, I've, I've seen some of your videos. I know some of the Gracie combatives. I mean, to get back in the day, you would have to know some of those things to get your blue bout. Now it's different. Mm-hmm. But um, those things to me, and, and I know I've been telling you that I want to get together with you and, and go over them again and learn them again. Those were Those are real life to me. Scenario, they're practical techniques. application. Yeah. Yes, I mean that that we 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 could use these right. on a daily basis, but yet right. nobody's nobody's willing to take the time. I think I'm the only one. No, I think there's another officer who trains jujitsu. We just started. He's been wanting to do it forever. He just started because one of his older sons wants to do it, so he's doing it. Great. So now there's two of us in a small department of of under a hundred that is training. Only two. Right. With less than 100 officers. And it's... it's So... So... It's a shame. Defensive training, jiu-jitsu would help with a lot of scenarios. Correct. When people talk about brutality or excessive force, 
Um, Jiu-jitsu would, I, I believe it, I know it works, would calm that right away. Correct. Training throughout their career, as far as scenarios of de-escalation, that's another training, right? That's that's something they need to have, right. constantly have. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, I'm glad I remembered it. In our community, Latino community, right? It's kind of taboo to be a cop, right? Hey, you're a cop. Ah, he's a cop, right? It's it's a joke, but I tell people we 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 put it down. But don't we need more people that grew up in the neighborhood that understand the culture that understand the interaction? Don't we need more of those people? We need diversity, and I think where I work, I think pretty much we have because that a good, helps, right? A good group because that helps. If I if I under, <clears throat> if I know. Let's say the nearby city or this city, that city. I grew up over here. I know this particular neighborhood. Doesn't that help in the interaction? It, it, unless I grew up in Thousand Oaks and now I'm trying to go to this inner city and try to relate to. Yeah, no. It, we, have, uh, we have an officer that works for the, my agency who grew up in that neighborhood. And I, want, I like to say that it's not the greatest neighborhood. And if he's listening... You, you know, I'm not lying, but <laughs> but he can relate to a lot of the people. They know him. Right. He's been there 20 And they trust years. him, right? They, they, they trust they, him. They, and they, every time I stop somebody or deal with someone or interact with the public in that area, it's like, hey, officer so-and-so working. He says, yeah, actually he was, or he is, or he's coming on tonight, or he just left this morning, or whatever the case may be. But yes, that helps because now they can identify. A lot of the times we request an officer. Not that it's always possible, but if you're familiar with an officer, you dealt with him, you're comfortable with, sometimes we try to accommodate. So, you know what? Let me, let me get the officer so and so to come out and see. Right. Out. And usually that helps, you know, break the barriers. Can't always be done, but it's doable. And we've done it, you know, to where we have an officer that has built a rapport with certain members of the community, certain race, certain ethnicity. It works out. We have an officer that speaks Farsi. Well, we don't have a big community of Farsi speaking people in our community, but. When we have an issue, we call him because right. they feel comfortable speaking their native tongue with him. Yeah. And we have some Vietnamese officers and so forth and so on. But <clears throat> we're not very diverse, but we're diverse enough to handle what we need to handle at that time. But being, being diverse helps. Helps. A lot. Helps. You because know. a lot of people, especially if they're from somewhere else and have a different culture, they can identify. They can relate. And, of course, the officers understand the culture. So right. they can... You go to an Asian home, you take your shoes off. Right. Obviously, for different for defensive tactics, for officer safety, we don't. But they require you to ask you to, or sometimes expect you to. But obviously, we're not going to remove our boots while we're going into a domestic. Because right? I think I think that's huge. But but it's huge because they now if you're there for a different for a different reason, sure, take off my shoes, leave them at the door. To, you know. Right. Same with uh, some Middle Eastern families do the same. Some some families from different countries will offer you food, and it's disrespectful if you don't take it. Yeah, you know they they ask you to sit down, and it's disrespectful if you don't do that. So right. you have to know the intricacies of every culture going into this job, and you get a lot of that training in the academy, and a lot of it, of course, you learn it throughout your experience. Years. Do you think that training has to be continuous though? Because the community changes over time, you know, and and and, and we forget. 
you know, does that happen throughout yeah, your mean, agency over over time? I, I think it should continue diversity training, you know, and, and it could keep things fresh in your mind about how things are or maybe the demographics in your city have right. changed. Maybe a lot of certain population has moved out and a different one has moved in. And it, it Training is it's continuous, just like in jiu-jitsu. You yeah. know, you sit, you rust. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm getting pretty old, but I'm still trying, you know. And you gotta I'm going to do it until the wheels fall off. Yeah. That's the case. Got to keep moving. But for me, in particular, it helps me with, obviously, staying in shape. And this could save my life one yeah, day. Yeah, save your you life. Know? And so I... I uh, don't want to look like a donut guy. If you look like a donut guy showing up at a call, and then they're not going to be, you, you don't get any respect. You don't get no know? respect. Versus if you look sharp, you're articulate, you're clean, your uniform's right. clean, your boots are shiny. But going back to your question, um, yeah. that's How do we bridge the gap from community to policing? I think we have to have more conversations. Right. More because conversations. right now it's just, you know, stars. Basketball players, I mean, it's just there's, I I I don't, I don't agree with the, their, their their tactics in this, because I think if they bridge the gap a little bit, if all these kids are looking up to them and they say, hey, officers, we want you to meet with them, and and talk to them. How can we interact? If you if we pull you over, this is what we need you to do. How are you feeling when we pull you over? Are you what are you thinking so we can understand? Right, that, that's a good conversation to have. But here's the thing, though: now all these athletes, super athletes, they get millions of dollars, who so are definitely not oppressed, are saying, "Oh, well, the police are now." All the young, young kids, this generation, see that looks up to them. They're like, "Oh, well, I guess the police must be bad because if my hero's saying it, it must be true." Right. But what is not the case? And I don't want to. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'll tell you that I've been doing community policing for years. Yeah, I've known this for a long time. And, and so I've been teaching uh, inner-city kids uh, self-defense martial arts. It's initially started as a taekwondo only, but over the years has evolved to uh, mostly jujitsu school. So it's a martial arts school. I do a little combination of both. Kids have to earn everything. They need to answer yes, sir, no, sir. I give them a curriculum. So you learn the curriculum, you show proficiency, and you get your next belt. There's no money exchanged. Like in this, this, is all, uh, this is all in your own time. This is all my own time and or if I'm on duty, I'm allowed to leave my police duties to go and handle this. And right. I spend two hours with the kids. Right. And I have a lot of success stories. Well, again, why, why don't we see that stuff? What do you mean? Like we don't see that in the news. No, no, we don't. They, we, we, exactly. We don't, we don't see the officer that spends time. I remember an officer I knew from, from the Boyle Heights area. They had a boxing club. They, 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 they taught boxing forever at that club. Mm-hmm. You know, I've known you six, seven years now, and I've known you've taken your time out to teach kids Taekwondo and Jiu-Jitsu. I mean, these are things that nobody talks about. And you build relationships. And now not only the kids see you as a role model, but their parents and the people around them. And then they talk about the program. And I've gotten a lot of donations to the program because of word of mouth, right. you know? And so, and I care to get care deeply about these kids you know, i only not only get to see them come and train us you know as, as uncoordinated little you know snot-nosed kids but then they grow up to be professionals uh, one of my students now is a chiropractic doctor wow uh the other one is um stunt double the other one two of them my two of my students went to the military i mean one of them is going to school to be a um, counselor school counselor 
The other one is an attorney. He finished his, his uh, four years uh, in L.A. Now he's going to law school. And these are all my schools that I've seen them grow. I mean, I'm privileged to see these kids grow right right before my eyes. And you made a difference in their life. In, in the program made a difference in their lives. But, but yeah, but I took the time. I think this is the longest running martial arts program or PD-sponsored program, police department-sponsored program. This lasted, this year will be 13 years, obviously, wow. with COVID. With 13 closed. years, how many kids, would you say? I've had, that well, went before the we closed, oh, Hundreds. 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 So I, I always say this about about my Christianity. You know, there's some bad Christianity out there, right? Some bad police out there. I always tell people that I want to represent Christ well wherever I go, right? Um, and if people could say, well, that church or that pastor that I knew or so-and-so that supposedly went to church did me wrong. I always try to remember that I'm that conduit to that person. And my representation of Christ to them, they can always say, well, but I do remember Dave, and he's a Christian. And he treated me well. Or he's he's really cool, man. I, I, I Not all Christians are like that. And I kind of think about with you, what what would you do? You know, we we talk. Me, Eric. I have a friend named Aaron. All all police officers, and I and I tell people I I know these situations. Some of them might look bad. I I know some officers might be bad. You know, we think about Rampart and Training Day and all these worst case scenarios, right? And but I know some cops that do the right thing. I know some cops that will that will look out for me, that will spend time with me on the match training, you know, that call or text me and say, say hello. So there is good representation of cops out there. Um, you know, 9-11 was last week, and I've been to the memorial a few times, and I've seen the cops that have given their life, you know, firemen that have given their life. You guys risk your life every day. For people that sometimes hate you. Um, it's a very noble thing, man. And I think it's gotten lost in everything, you know. Um, I know we can talk all night. And I'd love to have you back. But I think we covered a lot of things that I think a lot of people were interested in knowing, man. Good. I'm glad. I mean, I, I, we need to have these conversations with ourselves, with the public, police, the the celebrities who are now making it political for some reason, and to, to shine a little bit of light right. on what really is that we do or don't do. You know, obviously, everything is fluid. Everything's changing. Policies are changing, which is fine. You know, change is good. I can't say it's bad. But certain change is not for the good if you're thinking defunding police. But... It's uh, it's a conversation that we need. To we have. Got, we gotta have these com- hard conversations. We gotta and, and understand. Address, and I I, to I wanna I wanna understand. You know, I call my friend Will, and and I and, and he's a black guy. He's a Muslim. He grew up in Inglewood, but I always call him to try to understand. Hey, Will, what's going on? Can you help me understand? And I'm a person of color too. I'm I'm brown. I, I think people forget that we're brown too. We're people of color. But I ask him, Hey, Will, how's in the black American community, 
What should I be thinking right now? What are you thinking? And it's a conversation. We may not always agree all the time on everything, but I get a little better understanding. And people are nowadays are really uh, callous to have those conversations. Or too afraid to have the or conversation. Too afraid. You know, I just talked to a friend of mine, and I know you're, we've got to wrap it up, but in fact, uh, last night or the night before, I reached out to a friend of mine. He wanted to be an officer for years and years and years. He finally got on, got accepted, passed everything. And that's another thing we didn't talk about. There is rigorous requirements to get on the police department. We can talk about that another time. Right. Psychological is a big one. They think you're not all there. You're not going anywhere. You guys, anywhere. you guys are weeding out. Yes, more and than that ever. Is, yes, and then out of 200 applicants, uh, maybe three or four make it through the process. It's crazy. And out of those three or four, maybe only one is qualified. But anyway, well, I digress. All right. So I call this 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 officer. Uh, he got on with the LA sheriffs. He's black. And I called him and said, dude, how are you doing? I, are, you, are you okay? Are you okay with what's going on? I mean, right. I've, I have another acquaintance who is also black, and he works for the San Bernardino Sheriff's Department. And there's a, a video of, of, of BLM protesters yelling in his face, you know, how do you sleep at night? And call him the N-word. And, and he's just standing there, I mean, just putting his arm, his, his baton, just in case, protecting, uh, I think, his structure. And yelling him in their face and calling him names and I reached out to him too, but it's like, how, how are you guys doing? Because they're not only black, but they're a police officer. Right. So they're getting it from both ends. Both ends. And I just wanted to check on him. He's like, you know, I'm fine, man. I just, it's, I, I just try to brush it off. But you know what? In the end, it does have an effect because we're human too. Right. We are taught and trained that once you put in this uniform, you leave your personal stuff at home. You put on your professional face and you head into your work day. We try not to allow our emotions, our, our uh, divorce, our kids misbehaving our, right. affect you. Because you've got to be clear-headed, clear-minded, going into something that could potentially be dangerous. And that's all day. From the minute I walk in the station and put on that uniform to the minute I go back in the station to take it off, I am at 100%. Right. And you will see a lot of officers just go home and breathe. Yeah turn the TV on and I don't want to make a decisions. I don't want anybody to talk to me. I get that sometimes, you know, but we're human. But we have to be in this constant state of alert. Right. 24-7, especially these days. Yeah. And it used to not be that way. I mean, yes and no, but now more so than ever. Now that the two officers, two uh, deputies got shot. I know. For no reason. I know. So again, you know, it, it, we're on a, a constant, um, not a mood swing, but uh I don't know. It's just it, you. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to take. Yeah, it's a lot know? to take for the for the average. I don't think the average person understands how much that is. It's a lot of pressure. A lot of well, it's a lot of suicide with officers. You know? Right. We just had suicide week awareness uh, last week or two weeks ago, and so yeah. I mean, it, we just need a lot of prayer. I need a lot of conversations. Right. We need people. I need to understand that we're human. We are going to make mistakes. Who who isn't? Right. You go to a mechanic and he changes your. It guts your engine, and you told them you just wanted to change the brakes. Right. You know, I mean, the 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 you know uh, medical malpractice. I mean, too. It's you know the angel of death. It was a respiratory therapist was was killing a bunch of people. Yeah, and that was on purpose. But you never, nobody ever boycotted or protested or burnt or looted or right anything because this guy was actually killing people. 
But when you do, when part of your job is defending life and property and protecting those that cannot protect themselves, it's, it's inherent. It's, gonna, it's part of the job. It's, it's going to happen. You know, if you're a driver, if you, do, if you drive for a living, you will get into a crash. Actually, yeah. And a cra- an accident, you know. It's part of the job. It's part of the job. And people need to understand that, that we're not out there looking for a certain group of people to pull them over, to stop them. No. Nobody calls us. Nobody cares. The last scenarios we talked about. Right. Sister called. Baby mama called. But we didn't show up just because we want to. If you have a party and we show up, our peace cannot be disturbed, meaning we can't just choose to, oh, you know, there's there's a loud party. Let's go shut it down. We can't do that. We don't do that. That's not how it works. Right. Somebody called, complained, and because someone called, again, we're going to show up. That's usually what you guys say, too, when you guys show up. You somebody know called say, us. Hey, somebody <laughs> called. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. You know, and, and if and I always joke around this, and obviously I am joking, but say, if you want to run naked on the street, nobody calls. We don't care. Right. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Don't but do that, call. <laughs> if we get a call, we're going to show up. So, again, we're not out there looking for for a certain group of people to right. arrest or stop. I mean, normally it's all driven by the calls for service. Right. You know, and if we're being proactive, if you have a malfunction of your car, take care of it. Take care of the light. Use your signals. Don't drink and drive. Don't smoke dope and drive. Right. I mean, there's still the UI, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're a law-abiding citizen, chances are you are not going to have contact with the police and if i may i want to finish with this if you are stopped by the police just comply 90 percent or more of the incidents that we're seeing right now yeah could have been avoided if people just comply comply and survive you know just if you comply none of these things will happen right none of these things will happen and if you feel that you're wrongly accused well then you have your day in court everyone's innocent until proven guilty innocence I think that's huge. I think that's a huge thing, what you just said right now, man. I think that's huge. Hey, man, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. I, 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 didn't, I didn't think I'd be able to get an officer in here, but I knew it was important. And um, when I, 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 felt, I felt to just call you today, it was on my heart, and I thought it was really important, and you said yeah. So I appreciate that. It's meant to be. Meant to be. We got one thing. All right. Before we leave. Bring it. Okay. This is this is what me and Cam call the Furious Five segment. Okay? We ask you five questions. Gotta be short. Okay? You have to answer them. First question. If you weren't a cop, what would you be? Veterinarian. A veterinarian. Affirmative. Really? Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to be, either a cop or a veterinarian. What happened? I didn't pass biology, so I had to go to plan B. Oh, man. Gee. Yeah, because you're into birds, dogs, everything, And if I could, I'd have a farm in my backyard. You got to move up the hill, bro. You know what I mean? You get one of those I'm moving out of state as soon as I can. Okay. I'm out. Favorite pastime? Camping. Camping? Camping. I mean, we're, we're not calling, we're not, we're not. Glamping. I'm well glamping. Oh, you glamper. Well, now I'm I'm, I'm going to be fifty, bro. Okay, so and in your younger my twenties, your younger days, backpack and up the mountain with nothing, with just, nothing, just a just a tent and a, and a rock, tent, start a fire, tent, sleeping bag, some food, 
but now you're balling, so you can you can well, clamp a little bit. Well, I'm not balling. Well, you're blessed. You're blessed. I'm you, blessed. You earned it. I earned it. You earned it. I earned it. That's what I tell people all the time. Yeah. You realize how you're in Vegas, Dave. You went here. I earned it, man. I'm 46 years old. If I ain't doing this now, then when when was I supposed right. to? I messed up, right? Okay. Glamping. Send me some pictures sure. in your next glamping season. All right. All right. Biggest pet peeve. Uh, thieves. 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 Really? I was going to say people that drive around with no registration insurance. <laughs> but you can't. That's not as obvious. Yeah. Because if I have to pay registration insurance, so is everybody else. Okay. But thieves is more generic. You know, Got it. That. Just try to come up on stuff that's not there. Stuff makes me mad. That pisses me off. One wish. Can we all get along? Oh, okay. That's a good wish. Perfect for right now. Right? All right. I'm going to say a little question to your heart right now. Black belt, taekwondo, jujitsu. Which one's better? Jujitsu, 100%. 100%. All right. That's going to conclude our show, man. Hey, honestly, I really appreciate you coming out. I know it's not easy. And I hope the listeners out there got something out of this show. Get a little bit more understanding. We got a lot of work to do. Alex will admit that. We need more training. We need more understanding. We need more conversation. We need a little bit more morality. We need more spirituality. We need a little bit more God. So uh, that's my prayer. I pray that you guys be safe. I want you to know that I pray for you. I pray for Eric. I pray for my boy Aaron. All great guys, man. And I, I know you guys just want to go home to your families. That's all we want to do. So this will conclude the episode. We appreciate it. We'll catch you next week. Love you guys out there. This is day one signing off. And my boy Camo. You know what's up. Thank you.